Oh no, they don't take it seriously. And then my job is like a bunch of my cat's acted funny. Hold on, uh, he's about to throw up. Joints. It and there it is. That's <laughs> got some more in there. Yep. Oh, not on the wrapping paper. Uh, <laughs> this is all being recorded. This needs to be in the podcast. <laughs> be great. Here comes Martin. Two minutes to play. First half. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the At The High Podcast, part of the SB Nation Network of Podcasts. I am Jonathan, and I'm joined, as always, by Zach and Chase. Zach, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Got back on to the basketball court a little bit, a little oh. slow layup drill. You know, the high ankle sprains healing up. I know everybody was worried <laughs> about it. Um, and got to see some Charlotte Hornets basketball. Loving that. Uh, you, you're having a preseason for yourself as well, huh? You know what? Getting back into game shape. <laughs> Whenever we're allowed to actually like interact and play against one another, you will be ready to go. I'll be the first one in the vaccine line just so I can play pickup. <laughs> I, I, uh, it, well, Chase, how are you? I'm doing all right. I'm just <laughs> waiting for some Hornets basketball. Some real Hornets basketball. Yeah. But to, to Zach's point, um, my apartment they opened up a couple weeks ago, and I was so excited, and I went there a few times. You know, like I did for like the combine stuff, and then I've been getting shots up, and like, man, I really miss playing basketball, and now it's closed again, and I'm so sad. So, so such is 2020. Yeah, <laughs> I just I haven't played like pickup basketball or uh, basketball against another human being since it's been like nine months, and I don't think I've ever gone this long without playing pickup basketball or like a league game of basketball. And I do not like it. Yeah, imagine being 34 and just the light getting dimmer and dimmer as the time goes on. There's only so many games I can pick yeah. up anymore. I know. It's like, uh, it's, Chase, I'm... are you under? Chase, are you under a large amount of snow right now? Are you allowed to leave your house not just for the virus, but also <laughs> because there's so much snow where you are? Uh, I mean, I, it's not advisable to leave. Definitely not. There's no chance I'm playing basketball <laughs> right. outside uh, like you guys can for probably like four or five months. And I haven't had access to a gym since like March either. So I'm like, I'm itching to play basketball <laughs> against some real people. But that's probably not happening for a long time because we're, we're about probably not in now. a while. Yeah. <laughs> even if you guys do it's like yeah we got a whole shipment of vaccines but also no one can get out to go get them because they're underneath seven feet of snow <laughs> yeah exactly. the good thing is they don't have to keep them in a refrigerator because it's already like minus 40 degrees outside instead of putting them in the fridge just like hey we'll just leave them out <laughs> next to the house because it's it's basically a fridge it's colder out there than it would be in the freezer yeah <laughs> the freezer is like a heater at this point um we do have Hornets basketball to talk about now that all that's out of the way. Um, not real Hornets basketball. It's just a preseason. But uh, I don't know. When you have nothing to compare to, like we've had no Hornets basketball at all since March. Um, preseason basketball is like the highlight of my week these past couple of weeks. Oh, it's flames. Past week. Yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> it's like the first game especially, but even the second game that was on uh, Monday is like, oh man, there's basketball tonight. I can't wait to watch some basketball. And it's like, yeah, it's gonna, the Hornets, their starters are going to play 22 minutes against the Raptors, who Kyle, Kyle Lowry's not even playing because he doesn't feel like it. But who cares? It's basketball. Um, and it feels like a lot of these teams are playing their starters for good mm -hmm. amounts of minutes, trying to get them some stretch, get them some run. La uh, Saturday night, the Hornets played an hour before the Panthers played. And, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, has that ever happened in history? It was just a crazy night, and I... Lord knows I wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> so I watched basketball, and then when that got finished, I watched the Panthers lose as well. Yeah. 
I think that's a good uh the the, the stockings right now. Hey. Anyway, uh I actually had the Panthers Saturday night primetime football game on against against the Green Bay Packers on a little iPad off to the side while I watched Hornets preseason basketball. Like that's where I'm at with the Hornets basketball. On the right main now. green. Yeah, on the TV. Love it. Um, and that's not just because I was re like even if I wasn't recapping the game and live tweeting the game, like that's still what I would have chosen to do because I was just that much more interested in it. Um, Imagine explaining this to yourself in like 2016. You'd be like, someday <laughs> you will be through the roof excited for preseason Hornets basketball. Just you wait. Yeah, you you will watch a preseason basketball game before a prime time instead of a prime time football game. Um, Do you guys see the difference between the bubble basketball games and the empty stadium basketball games? Like, how are you? What do you think about the presentation? It feels way more empty than I thought it was going to feel. I thought I'd not notice the empty stadiums, but because there's no video screen um, where the audience would be like it was in the bubble, it does feel empty. It does feel like they're playing in kind of a silent stadium. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's definitely emptier. Um, I wonder what it's like for the players because the bubble along with, like you said, with the the monitors and stuff, um, it was also just a smaller gym. Like there weren't a bunch of seats and now they're in these giant arenas that are just like these cavernous arenas with no people in them. I wonder if that's kind of weird on the court. Cause I'm sure you see it, even if you don't see it, like during while you're actually playing, just kind of like in like going out of timeouts and uh, in between plays, you're just like, man, this is just a giant empty space. There's got to be like some echo too, like mm-hmm. when they yell. Oh, yeah. Like that would definitely be such a weird thing to experience because that probably didn't happen in the other gym because it was so small. Like when you yell, but if there's got there's got to be some sort of way that your voice carries in that, and that probably is <laughs> so weird for them. Oh, I mean, like, oh, come on, behind, behind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just like well, the, the Hornets might basketball. have an advantage. The Hornets may have an advantage in an empty stadium because you know those Wednesday night seven p.m. <laughs> uh, tips. There's not a lot of people in the, in that uh, in the Spectrum Center. <laughs> the, the the joke like when the the NFL did their no fans and like oh the Chargers are going to be the best at this because they're used to it. <laughs> the Hornets um, might have that advantage too. You're right. Yeah, Zach. exactly. Yeah. Um, from the preseason, I for the team as a whole. Uh, before we get into individual like yays and nays, um, the turnovers were bad, but I did like how they played fast. Um, they played fast to an erect to a reckless extent at times, but there were plays where like, especially in the second two games against the magic, where the magic would score. And like before the production crew would get the camera back on the ball, like the Hornets already taking shapes like that. And that's, I really like them doing that. That's how good teams get offense. And we didn't see that enough last year. So that I think from from everything on the whole as a team, that was what I think I was most excited about uh from this preseason. Any anything else from either of you guys? The pace was definitely my thing too. Cause that with how often Borrego talked about that last year, being like, I really want to play fast and have you know, lineups where I can have five playmakers and ball handlers and shooters on the floor at the same time. So it's nice to see him like get to actually instill that in the way that the team plays. Cause obviously he couldn't last year cause they just weren't good enough and they didn't yeah. have the personnel for it, but now they are. And like, it's, it, it's definitely cool to see him get to actually do that. And like when we get into the regular season and they're not as rusty anymore, it's going to be interesting to like see just how well it works. Cause he's wanted to do this for, a while so and now he actually gets to do it so we'll have to see how it works out but i i, I think it looks great so far because even though they're turning the ball over a lot like they're getting it's not because they're making like horrible decisions it's just because they're you know dribbling the ball off their leg or dribbling into like a crowd of people or like throwing bad passes like but just because they're rusty and haven't played in a million years like i think that the turnovers will smooth themselves out and not look like as bad yeah in like uh, probably a few weeks because they're not like they're just not like bad decisions. Like they're not being like, "Oh my god, why did he do that?" It's just like, well, that's what happens when you don't play basketball for <laughs> nine months. Yeah, you just kind of don't have that feel for the ball and the feel yeah, and- for the like the physicality. Because I mean, they've been playing pickup games, but nobody plays defense like that in pickup games. What are you about to say, Zach? No, and just that that pace and space style that Borrego wants to play requires the person to be in the right spot and the pass to go to the right spot and 
and orchestrating that, like you said, Jonathan, when someone is playing aggressive defense, it's very hard to get in the flow of the game. And Borrego has the right personnel. The younger players have had a year or two underneath that offense. And now we have two main pieces in Ball and Hayward who are pass first people. They love to keep the ball moving. And especially in a younger player like Ball, if you're playing that kind of, you have to anticipate where the player is going to be and pass the ball to that area. You're going to get turnovers as you learn that system, as you get into the flow of the offense. From what I've seen, it's turnovers are an issue, and I don't want to gloss over that, but it's encouraging to see them be not selfish, pass the ball, and try to get into the rhythm of Borrego's offense. It's also not endemic to the Hornets. Um while you guys were talking, I just like pulled up some random box scores of these last couple nights, like these like uh, Saturday night and Friday night. Um, so these are like the last preseason games. People like the Cavs had 21 turnovers against the Knicks. Uh, the Ra- the Heat had 26 turnovers against the Raptors. The 76ers had 26 turnovers against the Pacers. Um, it's preseason for everybody. Everybody's turning the ball over a bunch because they're trying new things. They're experimenting with lineups. They're all rusty. They're all uh, haven't played competitive basketball in a long time. Even the guys in the bubble, even the guys in the bubble, like a couple months without playing competitive basketball is a long time to not play competitive basketball. So it's not like the Hornets are the only team out here turning the ball over 20 times a game. And we should be super concerned about that because everybody's doing it. Um, And like Chase was saying, this is all going to get cleaned up as the season goes along. Maybe not day one Wednesday against the Cavs, but over the course of the season, it'll gradually get cleaned up and we'll see them play more. Uh, what we expect a Hornets, a good team to look like. will take a couple weeks to get there. So I, yeah, not concerned about the turnovers to that extent. I like that they're doing plays that end in turnovers. Like when the passes, like if you try to force a pass or you're trying to push the pace as opposed to turning the ball over because we don't know how to like use a pivot foot or something. Yeah, right. Yeah, like the, the turnovers the, aren't because it's not working. It's just because yeah. they're just, just not ready to do it yet at a, such a high level. <laughs> yeah. The biggest uh, issue with the turnovers is the the pick and roll offense when it comes to our centers. They have a hard time catching passes. <laughs> and there, uh, there are sometimes when the passes aren't on point. Um, there was one on Saturday night's game where uh, – there was a pass inside from ball to Zeller and the pass was at his knees and he couldn't get to it. That's not what I'm referring to. What I'm referring to Mm -hmm. is when Biz gets a pass, it's in the number, hits his hands and it drops to the floor. I don't think that's going to end anytime soon. And as long as Biz and Cody are a large part of this team, that's going to continue to happen. Ball also has a tendency, and I'm sure we will get to LaMelo Ball to, uh, do these like no look passes that are great and fun to watch really cool on Instagram. Sometimes you need to watch to make sure you're passing it to the correct area. You know, (laughs) it's really good to look off the defender, but it's fun to see the ball actually go into the hands of the offensive player. A few times last, a few times Saturday night and a few times previously, he'd throw the ball to the corner and there'd just be nobody there. Now, you could blame that on the veteran player that he's passing to, like Bridges or PJ, or you can say, hey, man, maybe you should look and make sure that your your guy is at least going to that area before you pass the ball. That was something that I thought was especially noticeable on Saturday, uh, not just LaMelo, but everybody, where uh, it was just everything was a little off, like passes, even if they were, if they got it'd be like a kick out pass to the corner and the shoot and the player would catch it like at their knee. So they couldn't get a shot up or like somebody would look like throw a bounce pass and a pick and roll and it'd be behind them. So they'd have to turn to catch it and they couldn't put a shot up. Um, just little things like that where they weren't turnovers, but they were just kind of uh, messing up the flow of the offense. And that's another thing that's going to get cleaned up as the season goes on because everybody's got to get their timing down and stuff. Uh, as for individual players, chase, well, I'm going to go like one at a time, chase, who do you think helped themselves the most? Are you most excited about their uh, preseason performance? Uh, I think I, I think a lot of people will probably say this, but Miles looked awesome so far. He's like yeah. he's really the only one that hasn't looked like overly rusty. Like, I mean, obviously he's made his fair share of like just bad plays because he hasn't played against the other team since March. But 
he looks like a way better ball handler. He looks a lot more comfortable like running the pick and roll himself. And he looks to be at least more comfortable shooting the ball, especially from like further beyond the three point line, rather than Mm -hmm. just with like his feet right on the line, like spotting up, like, which is, I feel like what most of his attempts come off of last year. But I mean, if he can develop even like a semblance of off the dribble shooting and playmaking from that, like small ball four spot, like the, the, the pace of play that Borrego wants and like just the mismatches that he is trying to go for are just going to be so much easier to find because he's so much like faster and stronger than even like bigs. He's, he's much stronger than them. But if he gets up matched against another small ball four, like he is probably just going to be able to like pound them into the paint and just either yeah. go right at the rim or just pull up for three because he seems a lot more comfortable doing that. If he can run the pick and roll, he can get mismatches that he wants himself just and just pull a big man out to the three-point line or just destroy the guy that he has in front of him. So I think he I think he's looked awesome so far. They really I haven't had like really any like complaints against for Miles cuz and he, there have been times where he hasn't looked good like uh, defensively or really offensively when his shots not falling, but that hasn't happened at all for me at this preseason. What about you guys? No, I yeah, Miles Bridges. Uh Zach, did you have somebody else because I was let's before we talk about Miles Bridges? Um I do have somebody else but we should talk about miles okay. because his playmaking thinking seems to be at on pace or sometimes ahead of what is happening on the court he fe- i feel like he is making a decision about what he's going to do with the ball before he gets the ball and that is the like a a red flag of a really special player someone who is um getting to the point where he could be a major part of a organization. And when we got Hayward, you know, uh, I wrote the preview for miles uh, for at the hive.com. Please go check <laughs> it out. <laughs> uh, you have to make a decision. Hey, am, am I, and my role is coming off the bench for my career. Is this going to light a fire under me? And it really feels like Miles came into the preseason saying, hey, I want to make an impression on the game and on this team. Yeah, yeah, his – I think the big thing with him, not just, like, the numbers he's put up, is just the the way he kind of looks on the floor. Like, he looks a lot more confident and a lot more comfortable, like Chase said, where he's not – his issue has been on offense he'll get sped up. And he'll he'll like drive in traffic without a plan, and he ends up throwing up these crazy shots at the rim, and they tend to go in sometimes because he's so athletic. But in the preseason so far, he's been a lot more under control. He's played a little slower on offense in a good way, and then defensively, uh, he hasn't been floating like he did last year. Like he's been really engaged, and he's he said that he wanted to take pride in becoming a lockdown defender, and he looks like he's really serious about that. And I mean, uh, Saturday night against the Magic, he had 15 rebounds in 23 minutes, and they were like. They were contested rebounds. He didn't just like get lucky and have a bunch of easy rebounds fall into his lap. Like he was out there working. Yeah, and I hope he can keep that up into the pre- into the regular season. And we'll talk about this later too. It is only a four game sample, and it's in a it's a preseason sample, so I don't. It's too early to be like, yep, that's it. He's ready to go. He turned a corner. But it's definitely something to be excited about. I think and say this is def- there's a chance that he def- that he has like gotten himself in a position to take the next step um who was the other guy you were going to say zach and this is an this is an advanced stat on miles bridges but he is destroying rims during the preseason oh yeah the the (laughs) there was an alley-oop that ball gave him that like 80 percent of the league wouldn't have been able to get to and he Mm. got to it and just just slammed that ball down and i know that's over a lot of people's heads but it is awesome to see amazing dunks in basketball (laughs) um but i want to talk about terry rogier like yeah he's also really has has been a a a focal point of the offense hitting three-pointers like crazy sharing the ball like everybody else on this team but when they when they need someone to make a basket, a lot of the times they're looking towards Terry, and Terry's coming through. It's been fun to see him. Where there's been a lot of talk about Lamelo. There's been a lot of talk about Devonte um, as our point guards. But Terry Rozier looks like he's going to be the a main part of this team in 2021. Yeah, he had. Uh, I know Chase is happy about that because he's Terry Rozier's number one fan. Uh, he had 20 points and 24 points in the two games against the Magic. And like you said, he was definitely like the Magic. This last Magic game was a good example where when the Hornets were sputtering badly and they can give the ball to Terry and he can get a bucket just to kind of get the offense back on track, break the seal, so to speak. 
That is like exactly yeah. what I was thinking. That's exact because hit the sorry Zach, but like the off the dribble scoring no, that ahead. he's had in the mid range looks so much better so far mm-hmm. in like the the small sample size that he's had this year. Like last year, he's pretty much just catch and shoot three pointer. But if he can like beat his man at like off of a closeout and score in the mid range or get to the rim like better than he could last year, I think it like clears up his role on this team a lot more. Because now with Lamelo, it was kind of like you know where does he fit in? But if he can like just be a like a go-to bucket getter, then that makes it like very clear what his job is. Um, And he doesn't have to be. So last year, the offense was really bad with Terry as its point guard because um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but when Terry was on the court without Devontae, the Hornets offense was atrocious, was terrible. And that was why Devontae had one of the better on-off differences in the league last year. Um, With Melo here, Terry can, doesn't have to do that as much, which isn't a bad thing. Like it's not a bad thing to say, Terry, the offense is bad under Terry. It's just not his, that's just not what he does. Well, um, if he could get, like we said, with this, with the acquisitions of Hayward and ball, I think it allows Terry to really flourish as a, just a scorer. Cause that's what he does best right now. And the shooting last year doesn't seem to be a fluke. Yeah, he's they- been stroking it. Oh, and super efficient on his shooting as well, which is yeah. really what you need on a team with Devontae and Ball, who are volume scorers, at least uh, for the first part of the preseason. And there's a version of this where Terry says, hey, everybody's talking about Ball. Everybody's talking about Devontae. I feel like the third wheel and I'm the $60 million man. Like, why aren't I getting attention? And he could not have a team mentality. Man, every time that guy is on the bench, he's not sitting down. He's cheering his team. And that sounds like a small team, but it's huge if you're a basketball team because you need that cohesion. And if everybody buys in, it's way funner to watch, even if – the wins right now aren't there, which we're not counting them anyway. <laughs> uh, Terry Rozier, 12 for 22, which is 55% from three. And the, um, would be great if that Let's just continue that for the rest of the season. <laughs> I think we'll be all right. Um, and I think just in general, Devontae deserves a little bit of a shout out too. Uh, all the talk has been about the Hayward acquisition and the ball acquisition. Um, I don't think I think people maybe forgot a little bit that like Terry and then there's a lot of talk like people talking with Chase like Chase wrote the thing about who you're starting lineups and just throughout the comments and on Twitter people talking about starting ball. Uh, I've seen people want to have both Terry and Devontae come off the bench. Um, Terry and Devontae are good. They were our best players last year and I think people forgot how you good they not are. Do that. Yeah, that's a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. I think and I think they pre- and again it's just preseason, but I think they reminded us that like, hey guys, we're still like really good players here um and it's it's also kind of kind of flying under the radar with how well miles has played and all the ball highlights and stuff but don't a big part of the season um on the other side of things i think there's one particular player that everybody is going to answer this question with if i say who had the worst preseason or who hurt themselves the most in the preseason i don't think we have to have much of a discussion because i think everybody's going to pick the same player right yeah, probably. <laughs> Even anybody on the listening to this too is probably going to pick the same person. Well, that's what well. I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have to give a little shout out to Cody Martin. Who, also, yeah, not yeah. yeah. He would probably be an honorable mention in this. Sure, and I mean the thing about Cody versus the player we're actually going to talk about. <laughs> Cody could be playing himself off of an NBA team. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, this is the preseason. Let's not overreact. But since we are overreacting, you know, this guy could lose minutes. Maybe, you know, uh, he's getting like something like 20 minutes a game right now. And Jalen McDaniels looks like he's getting more minutes. You know, as we get into the season, they might give Monk more minutes. And who knows what those lineups are going to look like. Cody needs to step it up if he wants to be a part of this team for sure. Yeah. Um. So Cody Martin's big thing last year was that even if he didn't put up numbers in the stat sheet, which he didn't, he didn't really put up any box score numbers, was that the team was a lot better when he played because he was a hustle player. He made winning plays and stuff like that. Uh, in the four games, his plus minuses have been minus 21, minus 3, minus 4, and minus 31. Uh, so if he's not – the team's not better when he plays and he's not contributing – I mean, if he's not contributing, like he's not scoring points or getting playmaking for others or anything – uh, it's like, what exactly do you do here? 
Right. And it's like he's 25. So like he has not he does not have much time to add in the other ancillary skill sets for that's like necessary for a glue guy to stick in a rotation when he's not affecting winning in a way that glue guys are are supposed to. (laughs) Yeah. So, again, yeah, not to overreact too much, but that's something that uh, definitely has not carried over from last year. We'll have to keep something to keep an eye on, um, especially with Hayward dealing with that uh, injury that we haven't talked about. Uh, he will be, um, he's going to be asked to play and he needs to play better. Um, minus 31 in a game that the team loses by three is not ideal. That's not what you want. (laughs) The, uh, the player we were talking about before though is PJ Washington, who, uh, has shot 36% from the field and it seems like 0% from three, but he has made a couple. Um, and he's been awful. I said it during the game last night when I was tweeting, I said, it seems like every time P.J. Washington has dribbled the ball, it's resulted in a steal for the other team. Um, he has not looked good at all. Are we ready to – are we worried? Are we ready to cut him? Are we ready to trade him? Are we ready to fire Yeah, P.J.'s played his last NBA game. He's no longer <laughs> going to be uh, playing for the Charlotte Hornets. It's so He's sad. Out it's of so sad. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's I, terrible to see. <laughs> so much hope after the rookie season, and he was great his, as a rookie. But now that we've seen four preseason games as a sophomore, I think it's safe to say he's a bust. Cut him. Cut him. <laughs> Get him out of here. Um, in all seriousness, no. we're not really worried about it, are we? No. You can miss me with this stuff. I don't – like, <laughs> what we're asking him to do – is we're asking him to pay, play basically three different positions, and he's trying to learn how to do that right now. So, of course, he's going to be inefficient. Of course, he's not going to know when to dribble. He's not going to be in his regular rhythm because sometimes he's playing center. Sometimes he's playing power forward. Sometimes he's playing the outside. Like it's We're asking him to be very dynamic, and when you start playing like that, you're going to be inefficient for the first little while. So I'm not worried about PJ at all. He's going to find his stroke when he gets into the rhythm and he's going to be asked to do a lot because we are expecting a lot from this player. So yeah, you stay on the comment section about that. I'm, I'm <laughs> not worried about it. So the thing that I've been saying about this is like every year we talk about at the beginning of the regular season, weird stuff's going to happen. Stuff that's stuff's going to happen that's not indicative at all of what uh, is going to be the case regular later in the on in the regular season. Um, bad teams beat good teams. Good teams that end up being really good look really bad, vice versa. Um, that happens after a regular off season with several weeks of camp and eight preseason games. Uh, PJ Washington and most of, all the Hornets other than Gordon Hayward have gone nine months without playing basketball. They had training camp as a team for one week and then they played four preseason games. Uh, there is going to be a lot of weirdness. Um, everybody handles Russ differently. And it's one of those things where uh, I'm sure you guys have done this, where like you don't play basketball for a little while, you come back and sometimes you come back after time off and you're like, wow, I'm just really good at this game now. And other times you come back and you just like forgot how to play for weeks until you finally like find your groove. It just takes a different amount of time to find your groove. Uh, PJ is clearly taking some time to find his groove. That doesn't mean he's a bad player. It's just sometimes that it, that's it. Just be like that sometimes. It do be like that sometimes. Just be like also, that sometimes. He has the three point three to to three assist to turnover ratio. Like that's still positive, which blows my mind. I yeah. would not have missed that. So like he might not even be as bad as it appears on the surface. Like it's just a uh, like when he gets his rebounds like are up too. Exactly. Like he and he's still playing good defense too, which is important. Like he's not like blowing rotations or just getting outmatched by the guy in front of him, like he's just looks bad with the ball in his hands, which like, go ahead, PJ, do it, do, do what you got to do to work the Kings out. I don't care, man. Had uh, five steals and six blocks in the four games. Like he played well, other than he had, he missed some bunnies and he had some sloppy turnovers, but I don't think he didn't look out of his element. And some of those plays were like good basketball plays. It just, the ball fell off the rim on a good layup attempt. And if the ball falls in, we're like, wow, PJ Walker or PJ Washington's an all-star. There was so. one play against Toronto. I think it was like right after LaMelo passed it to him, he just dribbled into a crowd and lost the ball and they he just fell on his face. And then he got up 
like after the play and him and Lamella were just laughing together. Like, I think yeah. that he knows like that was, he was like, probably just like, man, that was really stupid. And Lamella was like, yeah, you look like a moron. <laughs> and, he fell in your face. and then they laughed and then they went down and played again. Like, I don't, I don't think even he is like, I don't think Borrego's rattled by it. He's not rattled by it. Like it, I think they all know, like we're probably going to suck for like a couple weeks playing real games against other teams. Yeah. Oh, Miles yeah, and Bridges. maybe more than a couple weeks. We're still yeah. <laughs> yeah, evolving as a team. These guys are all really, really, really young. Um, you know, it, it it's going to be a while. And, you know, you got, Lord knows I'm not allowed to say this before we play one game, but this might not be the season where we win the championship. You know what I mean? This <laughs> might be the season where we Let's figure out how we play the game. Pump the brakes on that. It's and then next year we win the championship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Hornets are the youngest, like, for all the talk about signing an old guy in Gordon Hayward, who's the the uh, tender old age of thirty, the Warriors yeah. are still the youngest team in the league. Because um, after Hayward, the next two oldest players are Biz and Cody, and they're twenty eight, and everybody else is like twenty six, twenty five. Melo just turned nineteen. Um, it's it's going to take them some time to to grow together. So with all this, with Miles being so great and PJ being the worst player in the league, are we ready to bench PJ for Miles? Start them both. I'm holding the pitchfork for it. Start them both. Bench Cody and Biz. Play PJ <laughs> at the center position because that's where we're evolving to anyway. Is he going to be bad? Is he going to be out-rebounded? 100%. Guess what? Cody and Biz get out-rebounded. So we're sacrificing some stuff, but the troubles that he's having and not knowing where his fit is and where to be in this offense, he'll figure it out if he gets time at the center spot. And play them both. Those are the electric players. Play them both. So I don't know if that's like the best lineup in terms of like how well it's effective. But as a fan watching the team, I want to see lineups with uh, Washington Bridges, Hayward, and then any three, two of the three guards, because that just seems like a lot of fun. That's what we're here for. I can't believe we've gotten what, 10 minutes into this, maybe longer into this podcast, oh. and we haven't uh, spent Wait. a lot of time talking about LaMelo Ball, we're going to lose the three people who are listening <laughs> because we didn't talk about LaMelo Ball. Yeah, I guess we should probably talk about LaMelo Ball. He's kind of a big deal. Um, my favorite it's thing... Such an interesting preseason, too. He is uh, a roller coaster. would be one way to describe it. Because he had... Uh, he kind of he started with the, the zero points, and then he ended with, what, two? on Saturday night and in between uh, yeah he, he, he was like, like one for 10 on yeah. Saturday <laughs> yeah but then in between there he had a game where he was fine he scored some and then uh was Thursday night he's a bucket getter he was like second on the had 18 yeah. points hit four three-pointers and they had everybody that was thinking, fun like, to watch rookie all-star right there but I think it is just he's the still leading the yeah go, go ahead. ahead I'm sorry no you go ahead Oh, he's still leading the betting line for rookie of the year, right? Oh yeah. I mean, I think yeah, probably. I think it's pretty. People I think really they changed it too because Anthony Edwards also has been shooting really poorly in the preseason. So I think Lamelo is like even more of the uh, favorite now. It's it's one of those things where yeah the the rookies that are in that in his kind of class like the younger guys that are supposed to come in and be focal points um, have kind of struggled a little bit. Um, the other guys that are a little more polished, like Cole Anthony had some good games against the Hornets. Uh, who else has been? Denny Avdia has been pretty good for the Wizards, but like Anthony Edwards has been very, very inefficient for Minnesota. Uh, Obi Toppin has not been good for the Knicks. He just hasn't done anything. So it's 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 going to take some time. I think we saw like a little flash of like, yeah, he can actually put the ball in the basket sometimes. It won't be consistently early on, which I think the regular season, this preseason, I do think is kind of a harbinger for what his regular season is going to look like where I think there's going to be games where he scores two points in 25 minutes but I do think there he will have a couple of games throughout the year where he goes for like 20 plus or flirts with getting like a 30 point game if he gets hot from deep which he can get hot from deep with his somewhat unorthodox mechanics he seems to be really gelling with the team, though. Uh, a willing oh, passer. Yeah. We all knew he was going to be that. He's getting a bunch of rebounds. He's averaging like five rebounds a game. 
Um, now he's taking some of those away from his own players. There was a, a Terry rebound that he just snatched out of Terry's hands like he's Russell Westbrook. It was hilarious to see. Um, and there's going to be a bunch of turnovers. There's going to be a lot of clanked uh, three-pointers off the rim. But he's got to figure out how to play in the NBA. And if you're going to make great assists, you're going to get a lot of turnovers, especially when you're young. It's going to come hand in hand. Um it's a, I'm in a uh, rock in a hard place right now because you have like the uh, ball fans. Uh, I'm, I like to call them the balls. The balls love to talk <laughs> about, oh, he's he's great. Did you see this no look pass? You know, the 30 second clip I saw on YouTube makes him look like a, a hero. These these alley oops and everything like that. And then you have the people who, who say he's a professional NBA player. And there's a little bit on both sides. It's too early to tell, but he's fun to, to watch, and he seems to be a really good part of the team. And uh, that's all you can ask for in the first four games that don't count. Yeah, just just give us something to be excited about. And it's okay if you look bad for lots of for stretches of it. it doesn't mean anything. It's all just like again, this is all entertainment, especially the preseason. Just he gave us highlights. He gave us like at least one highlight every game. Uh, to your rebound thing, I wonder if somebody said something to him because he got ten rebounds in the first game, and I think three or four of them he just like snatched off the head of a teammate. And I wonder if the other guys are like, mm-hmm. "Hey, man, like, let us get some," because he he was not nearly as aggressive taking rebounds for from teammates in three games afterwards. So good job being coachable there, Mello. Yeah, yeah, he's so much taller than the rest of them. Biz was they might have about? to tell him. <laughs> I pulled him Honestly, off to the there side. There was a play, though, I, need I, I thought Biz was, because Biz pulled him aside after not long after a play like that, and I wonder if he said, like, hey, let's not get in each other's way yeah, here. We all got to make money here, kid. <laughs> I get I bonuses for rebounds. You don't. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we're going to talk about uh, – we have the regular season to talk about. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about the free season before we take a break and talk about real basketball? Time for real basketball. Just good to see basketball. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a break real quick, and we'll come right back with some uh, preview for the next week. And we're back. Uh, There's not – this section of the show is going to probably be pretty short just because we haven't seen uh, real Hornets basketball yet to compare you know, to kind of use to preview these upcoming games. But the Hornets have two regular season basketball games that count towards the standings and stats and everything else like that. Uh, Wednesday night, they open the season in Cleveland to take on the Cavaliers. And then Saturday, they have their home opener in front of zero people um, by choice, not because they couldn't (laughs) sell tickets against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh I think this is about as good of a start to the season as the Hornets could have hoped for in terms of scheduling. Do you guys agree? It do- Yeah, it doesn't get much better than the team that is very, very clearly trying to get the number one pick and then the team that usually gets the number one pick regardless of whether or not they're trying. So I, th- I think that it's a pretty, they got a pretty good chance to uh, go 2-0 and coming out of the gates. Yeah. Yeah, as long as you don't take into account that that Saturday game is the start of a back-to-back. Um, yeah, it's, you couldn't ask for a better start. Be yeah. That Thunder team is going to be very interesting this year. Yeah, it's, they're weird because it's like they have players that have good names. Like Shea was really good last year, obviously, and then Al Horford's been very good for his whole career, even though he's like 35, um, which they'll probably try to trade him at some point for another first-round pick somehow. So I don't. I have no idea what the Thunder are going to look like. The Cavs, I think we know what they're going to look like because they always look bad when LeBron James is not there. So we'll start with with the Cavs. Um, they're they have Andre Drummond and they have Kevin Love. Uh, that did not help them win any games last year. Uh, they added Isaac Okoro, who was really good in the preseason. Um, I think surprising to some, especially because he was actually scoring, which he never did. I don't think any of that is going to result in them being a, a better than like the third or fourth worst team in the league. Yeah, definitely not. They're going to be like, no, and I think they're bad. trying to be that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, not that, and then again, beginning of the regular season, anything can happen, but 
like Chase said, like, it's a good opportunity. Even if the Hornets all get wins, like it's they could kind of ease into the regular season. Like, the Cavs are going to be one of the easier games, especially as as a road team, uh, or on the road against to get kind of get your get your uh, get into a rhythm. Like you're probably not going to get blown out. I hope the Hornets don't get blown out in Cleveland. Uh, it's it's a good way to ease into the regular season. So I think. Like you guys said, good chance to win, and then they come home. They have, and then they have two days off because of Christmas. Uh, Christmas days on Friday, so they have time to rest up from their first, you know, intense regular to come home and face the Thunder, who like we just talked about. Uh, no idea what they're going to look like, but I doubt it's going to be good. Yeah, I mean, like they could. Yeah, they could just. They could be okay, I get Like, if Shea is, like, obviously Shea's going to be really good, and if Al Horford has, like, a revival of some sort, like, maybe they'll be okay. I Like, just thinking about it now, because, like, the roster doesn't look terrible when I'm scrolling through it. Like, uh, Alexei Pokashevsky and uh, Theo Maladon were both good in the preseason. Mm. But, I, like, I also, yeah, like, I don't think that they're going to be trying to, you know, go win a game against the Charlotte Hornets on the road at the beginning of the season, like necessarily, they're probably just going to be trying to develop players and then just use Al Horford as like the old guy in the middle that kind of keeps everything going smoothly. But they all, then they play the nets like right after that too on the next day. So if they don't play well in that game, uh, they don't have very much time to correct it either because uh, (laughs) the nets, they like the nets are still clearly a team that like the Hornets, don't really have any business like like beating them like consistently. So like I wouldn't I'm not going to expect that yet, but it'll be it'll be interesting to see how the first two go and how they kind of like make the adjustments on the fly cuz I don't know how practice works this year like between yeah, games, but I'd imagine it's not nearly as much of a thing as normal. Like I feel like the NBA is kind of just no. being like let's not come into contact with each other unless it's for a game that we're making a lot of money off of you know what i mean like i don't, I don't think <laughs> yeah. they're gonna be like practicing right. between every game like they do last year or any other year yeah so i do think it's it's the thunder the thunder are funny because they have al horford who has uh like what 15 no 13 years of experience and they have trevor ariza who has 16 years of experience and they have george hill we all forgot about george hill yeah who has 12 years of experience and then like everybody rookie rookie first or second year player second year player like all down the list so it and obviously, like I said, they're going to be trying to unload Ariza and Horford and Hill, but you know they're vets, and you have to kind of respect the uh, the tenure. And like they're going to play, and they're probably going to win a couple games, um, but I don't think they'll win very many. So it's I, and so it's important I think for the Hornets to get off to this two and zero start because up at, after the Cavs and the Thunder, it's Nets at Mavericks, home for the Grizzlies, back to back at Philadelphia at Philadelphia. So it gets tough ish after that. Um the Nets. Let's talk about the Nets real quick. Um how good do we think the Nets are gonna be this year? Nothing happened. What, Zach? They don't have any real players of note. You don't think we should skip over the Nets? There's no uh, I mean only because this is the first or... first regular season kind of preview, I think we should you know, try to be thorough here. So we'll talk about the Nets, even though there's nothing noteworthy about them. Have you seen Kevin Durant in the preseason? Have you seen any of him playing? I haven't watched it, but like I've, the reg- I've... Yeah. Gotcha. I've he looks like Kevin heard. Durant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, <laughs> looks, he looks, Durant awesome looks like Kevin Durant. Celtics. He looked like no movement yeah. issues at all, which is great. Like, I, I like obviously, they're competing with the Hornets, but, like, I would, I very much wanted him to come back and still be, you know, the second best player in the world, which seems like is a highly possible. So, good for him. I'm very glad for that. Everybody wants we... to see Kevin Durant play basketball, and it's oh, yeah. awesome to see it. And it'll be interesting to the Kyrie of it all, the flat Earth of it all. But if they <laughs> just play basketball with each other, it's going to be a great team. Speaking of Kyrie, I was going to ask: Are we worried about Kyrie uh, spreading like burning sage throughout the Spectrum <laughs> Center? Yes, yes, yeah, a hundred percent. That that is catastrophic for the rest of the season if he does that. That guy has like spiritual powers. I, I do not want him putting any sort of hex on us, like whatsoever. We got to be nice to him. Yeah, it's only game yeah. three of the season, and we're gonna. So it's only the second home game of the year. We already got Kyrie's sage just up in the rafters through in all the air. 
That's a little <laughs> that, concerning. That video of him walking around the outside of the court <laughs> waving the sage was literally the funniest thing I've ever seen related to basketball in my life. Like he probably thought that <laughs> thought of that like months ago and was just waiting. Like, oh my god, I can't wait for the camera people to get me on video doing this. Oh, especially yeah, they're gonna eat it up. Especially because it's in Boston. So the whole story surrounding it is like, yeah, Kyrie doesn't like this place because it's, you know, his old home and he's got to get rid of all the demons and all that stuff. Like if he does that in like Chesapeake Bay Arena in Oklahoma City, nobody I don't think people care as much. I mean, it's still odd to see an NBA player walk next to the court. But the fact that it was in Boston, I think, really uh, added to the mystique of the whole thing. And now we're on Sage Watch. A few questions about this. I have a few questions about this alleged sage, okay? Okay. First of all, if you're at the Spectrum Center or somebody else's arena, you get to just burn sage in their arena? Is there a, a fire like hazard <laughs> situation going on? Um uh, uh, second secondly, and maybe most importantly, has anybody chemically tested what he's burning in there? Are we we're just all <laughs> agreeing that it's sage? What Are is we... he actually burning is what I, I <laughs> uh, he said like where whatever teams will allow me to do it, I'll do it. So I guess he has to get some sort of permission. But um, I would like to hear. He's just trying to be like LeBron, like he's been doing all his career. He wants to have a pregame ritual that people talk about. So he's burning sage instead of doing the powder flip that LeBron used to do. Um, <laughs> That's, this is... Good luck to you, Kyrie. Thank God cost. you're never coming close to my team. Just walking <laughs> around burning sage. I want to know. Like so he so now now it's out there so people won't be surprised but I want to know what the first what it was like when like the arena staff was approached and said hey Kyrie wants to do this is it okay They're like uh I don't know I've never really thought about it. is it okay for somebody to walk around and burn sage in our arena I guess so <laughs> that's there was so no true. permission asked <laughs> uh, yeah that's uh, that's uh, probably true he definitely did not ask and uh, like the next game he's no. just gonna bring like a cauldron and put it next to the bench and <laughs> just sit there and stir it the whole game when he's not playing and just like staring at the coach or something like that i hope I, he does. I love him he is like one of the funniest people that has ever existed on planet earth like he I, he has to know that everything he does is just going to get blown up so doing things like this is so funny to me like i'm so glad that he just embraces it I do hope he just like continues to go further and further out in the left as the season goes on. Like you said, he goes from just like simply burning, simply burning sage to where he's got like this whole ritual that he's doing, and he's like got like actual fires going off to the side of the court. He's doing he's, like, like spirit chants on the side yeah. on the bench or something like that. It'd be so amazing. He's got like a little like a drawing on the floor. And he's got candles lit up. Stuff. He's wearing a big robe. <laughs> I do, yeah. He I, lost I me on the, the flat earth thing, but what really got me is that in the middle of a season, when the Nets were in playoff contention, he's talking about, oh, we got to get some different pieces in here. We really have don't have the players we're going to have in the future. That kind of like eroding the team morale thing. You know, you can oh, have all the yeah. talent in the world. If you have that mindset, it's cancer in the locker room. On a, on a, serious, like, yeah, on a more serious note, he seems like a massive headache to play with. Like, as funny as these little things are, as an outside observer, just as a fan. No, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was talking about, he was also basically, after they hired a coach, he's like, yeah, I guess that's fine, but we don't really need him here. It's like, All right, Kyrie, there you go. And then. <laughs> that was so funny. Uh, him and KD basically. <laughs> and him and KD basically ran Atkinson out of town. Oh, yeah. And he was a he, great he developer. Everyone he was a very on that good team. coach. Oh, he's a, he's a great yeah. coach. He developed that entire team except for Kyrie and KD, and then they were like, "Yeah, <laughs> well." <laughs> and then they just they sign on as free agents. They're like, "All right, this, all right, Kenny, you've done a great job." Well, they probably wouldn't even acknowledge he did a great job. They're like, "All right, Kenny, it's our team now." Um, I don't know if you're the guy to handle this team moving forward. Um, because I don't think there is a guy to handle this team moving forward. I am new head coach Kyrie Irving. It'll be but, so interesting to see what Steve Nash does with this these types of personalities. I wonder how I many words Mark, him and Kyrie have actually spoken to each other. Steve Nash has spoken words to Kyrie. 
I don't know if there have been any words spoken back in return. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, he, sends, he sends letters to him. It just starts lighting up the sage. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I do not agree with these vibes, Mr. Nash. Please step away. Yes. He's, he's getting – Steve Nash is going to get a cease and desist letter from Kyrie Irving. Like, please stop trying to coach me. I know what I'm doing. But he won't speak it to him. He'll just, like, write in a letter or post it on an Instagram story or something. Um. Oh. With that being said, they're going to be a top three, four team in the East, and it'll be, uh, especially in a ba- the second game of a back-to-back, it's going to be a tall order to be competitive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But like I said, early in the regular season, you never know what happens. But yeah, I do think that that'll be an interesting kind of measuring stick game, just to see at that point in the season early on how we stack up against a team with superstars, Harry, um, and maybe James Harden. Who knows? Which that's true. That who, uh, who knows when that's going to happen too. That could be like tomorrow or in like March. If 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 it happens, is there any team more entertaining in terms of just like personnel fit than Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Chalk James Harden? Like ever not in even the history of the NBA. Yeah, but Kyrie is like an upgrade from Russell Westbrook in those OKC teams in terms of like how much he needs the ball to be successful. So that would, that would be really fun to watch. Like not at like good, the good kind of fun all the time. It would (laughs) definitely be a lot of like James Harden standing at half court being like, I'm not really used to not touching the ball. And I'm certainly not used to having to like run to go get the ball. So I'm just going (laughs) to wait and see if they give it to me. That, that would be the thing is like, not only is it the, the tug of war that we've seen in other teams and they get multiple superstars where they're like, how do we balance touches and stuff? But the person out of James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant will absolutely say stuff or be very demonstrative in their displeasure. If stuff's not going their way on the court, which would just make for extremely compelling TV. I really hope. Yeah. And I will say, um, they're saying that they're keeping the trade net wide Obviously, the Nets and Philly have been the two teams that uh, James Harden has been rumored to. They're figuring out trade packages, but they're saying that they're keeping it wide. And Charlotte's name is still in there. They're still, like, as a side <laughs> note, like, Charlotte's still in there. Um, you know, I'm just saying, you, if you wanted to notch this up another level, and it would be crazy to have a Harden-type player on this team. That's all I'll say about it. I won't write any more articles about it. That was, that was I did I wanted to start not trading for James Harden. I just don't want yeah. to watch him every Some people single night. Not enjoy that article. I know they did not, but that's okay. That's that's what you do, Zach. You're an agitator. Um, that's what I like to do. Oh no, it'd be horrible. We'd just be him dribbling for thirty minutes. I would. And, I uh, do want to ask you, a Rockets fan, like, be honest. Are you kind of tired of watching James Harden do that? Because I feel like you'd be tired of watching James Harden do that after a while. Like, it would be refreshing the games where he's out, where it's like, wow, look at us play like a regular basketball team. Comes with a lot of wins, though. Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That's what he did. That's what he brings. Um, Last thing before we wrap the show up. Uh, We haven't really alluded to it, but we haven't talked on it. Um, Gordon Hayward has been out with an avulsion fracture in his right pinky finger. Uh, an avulsion fracture sounds like the worst injury of all time. It's when a tendon or ligament pulls a piece of bone off of the rest of the bone. Uh, but it's apparently really minor. They haven't listed his day-to-day. Uh, I saw him, like, on Instagram. They showed him walking flint. Like, he's not in a cast. He's not uh, going to have any surgery or anything. As from my Google research, most of these injuries of the type do not require surgery. Uh we aren't concerned about it, right? I mean, he might be regular, ready for the regular season to start. Or is there any level of concern on our end from it? Not really. I, like it's it, the uh, finger things just get solved pretty quickly. Usually, yeah. like it's not like a long term injury. So, if, I mean, if he comes back and like it's a problem again, then I guess it would like by default have to be. But I don't think it's like <laughs> that big of a deal right now. Yeah. Ch- uh, Chase. So, in order for a player to be qualified as injury prone. It seems like we talked about Gordon when he got signed about this, that he has to have injuries in the same place for them to be considered injury prone. And although I agree, this is not a big injury and it seems like he should be back pretty soon. Getting injuries in different ways, in different places 
um, you know, it's starting to add up. There's, there's starting to be a string of, of four-ish injuries in his history where, like, hey, he's going to miss a, a part of the season. I'm not concerned about this. I am concerned that he just seems to be unlucky and gets injured a lot. Yeah, so the thing with it with injuries is they're well, they're weird in that. So if you think about it, there are hundreds of NBA players. So despite by kind of like by nature, there's going to be there has to be some player that is just really unlucky and gets multiple injuries by flukes over and over again. If you, you know what I mean, it's just like law of numbers. Somebody's somebody has to be unlucky in this pool. Like Andrew Bogut was that guy. He broke his yeah. arm, his elbow, and all all sorts of weird stuff. Yeah, and some of the and so these things that don't have like it could be that he's just prone to getting hurt because everybody has different anatomy. So could just be that unlucky player right now. And if he's just being unlucky, it could just disappear overnight and never happen again. Like I might be wrong, but like Derek Rose has not had any injury problems the last couple of years. Has he not with his knees? At least I don't yeah. think so. No, And he's playing significantly less minutes than he did at the beginning of his career with, means you have less chance of getting injured at least in in game yeah but it's just as an example or like to to go over to football like the panthers because i'm sure there's a lot of panthers fans listen to this uh thomas davis tore his acl three times in a couple years like never got hurt again all of a sudden it just went away so not that that's going to happen with gordon hayward thomas davis was made out of steel yeah other than his acl original acls um but it's one of those things where it could resolve over time. We'll have to wait and see, obviously. But I'm not worried about this injury. Chase and Chase was talking about this before the show, and he's going to tell you right now. It didn't or it didn't seem serious at the time because we don't even know, really know when it happened. Right. Like I think it was against Toronto in like this first half at some point. I think of the second game, he took the ball like coast to coast. I believe. I don't think I remember like I may not remember this 100% correctly for someone that's listening to this and shaking their fist like the Arthur gif right now (laughs) saying something wrong but like he just he took the ball up the court dribbled it into like a crowd kind of and just lost it and turned it over and like came out of like the like the scuffle I guess and just kind of turned around and ran down the court like he didn't like like look down at his hand and be like that felt weird or like shake it like you do when you hurt your hand or burn it or something being like ow that hurt like he kind of just went back up and down the court and kept like he didn't leave the game like he kept playing and then afterwards they were like yeah we think we know what play it happened on like we're not really sure like and that's why also that's why the injury didn't come out until like i think it was the day between or the day after the Raptors game even finished. Like, it didn't come out that night. Like, he, he may not have even known right after the game. Like, he, maybe he woke up the next morning and it was like, oh, this is really swollen. <laughs> yeah, it, and came out, really bad. it came out Wednesday. Um, the Raptors game was on Monday. Yeah, so. Oh, so even longer. Yeah, that's yeah. like, they may not have known. Like, they may have had to, like, really look at it and be like, is something actually wrong? Or did you just jam it really bad? Or like, and then go back and look at the film and be because he probably obviously didn't know when it happened if he didn't come out of the game immediately. So they probably had to like go back and look and be like, where did you squish your hand or finger <laughs> in such a way that this happened? And so like, that just makes me think that it's really not that big of a deal. Like I'm, I'm sure if it is reoccurring that I would, I would retract that. But like, if he didn't even know when it happened at the time, like that, it's just like, it can't be that big of a deal. You know what I mean? Uh, and he's still shooting right now too, like, and ball handling with the splint on. It's so one it of those things where, where I think like, I wonder, I wonder, and I'm not, I don't know for sure. I wonder if it's a thing where an average, like the average person who plays like competitive sports has had this happen and never known it because they don't have access to just get MRIs for any little malady like NBA players do. And they just I have had this exact injury on my left pinky finger. Like the literally they told me you have an avulsion fracture on your pinky. And it hurt at the time because I was like twelve, but it did not take long. <laughs> bury bury the lead, why don't you? You've got source material for this. <laughs> I do yeah, I went out when I saw avulsion like. fracture, I was like, wait a second. I know what this. Will means. I ever walk again? <laughs> right. I was like, maybe I should have gotten gone to the hospital and you know laid there for a few days and had had them feed me or something like that. But like, I was I was in like seventh grade playing football when this happened, so I reacted to it poorly. But it did. I did not have to wear like a thing on my hand for very long. Like just with the like his pinky finger taped to 
what is that finger? Your ring finger next yeah. to it. <laughs> they, they should just name them one, two, three, four, five. But well, I, I, that's, they do. I, that's for no, a, tip, a different podcast. I could talk yeah, about but that. Where, go left to right, right to left. We should have a whole podcast. Tom, Tom is one, I think he's five. It's your fifth metacarpal. <laughs> oh, yeah. They actually, I think they did say fifth metacarpal in the, yeah. on the Hornets website thing. But, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I, I did this. I recovered. I'm still alive. I can still blog my ass off every day. We're using my pinky <laughs> finger to, to type and all that. So that means Gordon Hayward will be fine to compete at an all-star level in the NBA if I can do that. So, yeah. If, if Chase can saying. recover from an avulsion <laughs> fracture, uh, so can Gordon Hayward. Um, I want to wrap up the show with this. I know you just saw this, Chase. Um, regular season's about to start, and now I just lost it. Where did Miles Bridges go? Oh, I was just about to say that after you finished. I was going to be like, one more thing. The yeah, him tweeting thing. about the season. Yep, so this is how we're going to take it out with this. Uh, Miles Bridges tweets, back having fun with hooping. Love my teammates and coaching staff. This season should be fun. So with that, that wraps up the At Dive podcast. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you guys next week, probably. Hey, M- Merry Christmas. Um, yes, happy, uh, Merry Hanukkah, Christmas, happy Hanukkah. Uh, happy happy Festivus. Yeah, uh, all that stuff. Yes. Peace out. See you guys. Hey.